So we're going to do a couple things tonight. Um, I'm going to jump right in, and we're going to talk about tongues and interpretation of tongues. I'm going to put a quick period on discernment of spirits from last week. And then toward the end tonight, um, I'm going to bring Barry and Diane up, um, who operate in the gift of tongues and interpretation of tongues quite consistently. And we're going to do something a little different. We're going to do, I'm going to interview them and ask them some super practical questions. And they're going to, I mean, we're going to really get real. So I'm going to just warn you now, Barry and Diane, it's gonna, we're going to get real, all right? Because we, we want you to, um, we wa- I want to do it this way because I believe the enemy has really been working against tongues and interpretation. We saw it for a while in Pentecostal movements, but it's all but disappeared in charismatic circles. And you know why that's a bad thing? Because there's an entire chapter in the Bible written about tongues and interpretation. That's how important it is. If God takes the time to write a, a volume of work, well, anything's important, but, but even more so where he takes a lot of time and puts a lot of emphasis. So 1 Corinthians 14 talks quite a bit about God's plan for um, tongues and interpretation of tongues. Now, uh, before we do that, I want to do one more thing. Where'd Stephanie go? She Okay, so... Um, We'll do that when she gets back. So let me do one quick thing. Uh, I felt like last week I didn't really do discerning of spirits all the best um, justice that I could. But I want to leave you with one big just kind of prevailing thought um, as we consider what discerning of spirits is. Um, Discerning of spirits most often will cause you to discern the spirit realm. That's the quickest and easiest way to understand it. The thing that I want to leave you with And this might ruffle some of your feathers, but it's really true. When a person tells you that they've seen an angel, about 95% of the time, they are seeing an angel through the gift of discerning of spirits. Now, I can tell you that one time in my own life, I saw a bonafide angel. And I'm going to tell you exactly what happened. Some of you have heard this story, but I was working downtown, and um, I was at a four-way intersection, and I was catching the bus to go home. Um, in, in the suburb where I lived. And I was on the opposite side in Caddy Corner. There was a blind man that had stepped up to the corner and he had his um, cane. And he was going to step up off the ledge and, and trying to cross the road. But every time he'd do that, a car would come by, honk the horn, and scare him. And immediately the Lord said, I want you to go help that man across the street. And of course I said, uh-uh, my bus is, I see the bus coming here, and if I go do that, I'm going to miss it. And I wrestled and I wrestled, and I'm thinking, Derek, are you really going to disobey God? Really? And so I'm like, ah! Uh-huh. So then I ran over, I, I dodged the traffic, got across, and helped the man across the street. And was getting back as, you know, to my spot at the bus stop just in the nick of time. What I didn't realize is, in my mind, there was probably five or six more stops he was going to hit before he got to me. But I was starting to panicking. It was kind of like my airport stuff. Uh, but anyway, I'm looking down. I'm going, I, I literally did this. I went, oh, thank God. And then out of nowhere, this man walks by. And he's walking at a pace. He looked like a street person, had an unkempt beard, looked like he just had, probably hadn't taken a bath in days. He was muttering to himself. He looked over at me. His eyes met my eyes. And he said, the Father will bless you for that. And then he was gone just like that. Now, was, was 
he real? I believe so. And in that case, angels can take on bodily form. And when they do that, we can see them with our physical eyes. When they are not in bodily form, we cannot see them with human eyes. It takes a gift of the Spirit in order to be able to do that. Or God has to interrupt the natural laws of nature in order for us to do that. And so what happens many times is when people have supernatural encounters and they say Jesus walked in the room and talked to him and all that, I'm going to tell you that Jesus isn't really physically doing that, but he is, the, but, it, but it makes the experience no less real. It's just that they are seeing into the spirit realm. John said, in the Lord, on the Lord's day, I was in the spirit, Right? So what we have to be careful of, especially in, in describing our encounters, is not exaggerating. Exaggerating doesn't help God at all, right? And what we can tend to do, I can tell you some of the most powerful visions I've ever had. Um, it's like some, sometimes people want to, they want to say, well, it was a dream because somehow dreams seem more spiritual than visions, I guess. I don't know. But I can tell you some of the most powerful visions I've had, it looks like in the natural, it's just a, a movie playing in your imagination. That's why some people, a lot of you are having visions, and you just think it's your imagination. But, but what we've got to understand is they're no less spiritual when they're accurate. You just have to recognize them. And so through the discerning of spirits we can begin to discern the spirit realm. And it's been my experience that we have a supernatural or a spiritual version of all of our natural senses. And through the discerning of spirits, that can come through any one of the senses. I knew a guy that could, that could smell demons, and he, he, would, he would have a stench. But was it a physical smell? No, he would say it's spiritual, but it was like it was. And so, so I don't try too hard to explain it. I just knew, know that whenever he had that sensation, he was praying for deliverance and people would get set free of demons. So, so my point in saying that is, is if we can learn to understand and not exaggerate experiences. I've had, I'm going to tell you one, one last one that I had. Um, not, not to brag or anything. So I, I'm going to just be as real and honest with you as I can be, all right? Transparent. So in the early 90s, we had moved to Seattle, and, um, uh, you know, I'd had about three, three years of real successful being a worship leader, being a pastor, and I wouldn't say that I was arrogant and prideful, but, I, but my wife and I moved, Ginger and I moved to Seattle to, to join a church plant there, and, and I just assumed God would take care of me, but, you know, and we had a special thing going, but the exact opposite happened. I couldn't pay my bills. I was working three jobs, and I was like, God, what in the world are you doing? And so I fell into pornography for, for a little season there and um, eventually went and talked to uh, the pastor about it. I talked to Ginger about it first because I was under such conviction. She knew something was going on. I'm telling you, wives, most of you have discerning spirits, especially when your husband's at that computer. All right. Uh, my wife, she'll tell you, Derek, what you've been doing, you know, but, uh, but anyway, uh, so we got through it and, um, uh, you know, worked out a deal, the pastor, you know, this was early on, like in the early nineties. So this was, the internet was just a thing right back then. Oh Lord, I'm dating myself. Um, so anyway, uh, we're, you know, I, I, talked, admitted it to the pastor, and uh, he made me sign this covenant, all this kind of stuff, and I started meeting with him every week, and uh, it was pretty true, but he said I had to get rid of the internet, and, and if I ever stumbled again, he was going to fire me, 
And um, so anyway, I was having a really bad day. It was probably like three months later, something like that. I was having a real bad day. I was homesick, really feeling depressed. I just, you know, seen my wife throw a table across the room because we just couldn't pay the bills. We were going, you know, it was just the weirdest thing, feeling like I'm not taking care of the family. So I was really down on myself. And so the next day, I stumbled one more time. All right, so that night, we were scheduled, the, the entire church was going to go to uh, a, a series of revival meetings by Rodney Howard Brown's brother, Basil. And so we were sitting in the meeting that night, and grant you, four hours before that, I'd stumbled and fell into pornography. And in four hours' time, we're sitting in there, the worship was great. He's starting to take up the offering, and all of a sudden, I opened my eyes, and the entire room went black. And not exaggerating. And when that happened, at the, at the front of the room, I could see in glowing white these, these pair of feet walking toward me. I could see the nail scars in the feet. And my immediate reaction was, Jesus has just entered the building, and I want to see his face. And as I looked up to see his face, I could not see it, and I had to immediately turn away because it was so bright, it would have blinded me had I continued to look on it. And, um, and it, I, I thought, man, his face is like a, as bright as a thousand suns, and it certainly was. But as he was walking toward me, it was like there was no one else in the building at all. It was just me and Jesus, and all I could see was him. And so I was looking down as he walked toward me, and in his hands was an overly exaggerated large book. It really even looked too large for him to carry as easy as he did. And when he walked up to me, he stood right in front of me, and he opened up the book, and he, and he spoke to me about some personal things in my life. I won't share those here. But what he did do at the end of it, which caught my attention right away, is he said, Derek, this chapter in your life is over. And then he slammed the book shut, just like that. And then he was gone. Now, the whole time, Ginger's watching. They knew something was going on. And uh, you said my eyes were open, right, the whole time? Yeah. So now what happened? Did I have an encounter with Jesus? You bet I did. It changed my life. <laughs> I mean, that's as much as I can say it. But, but did I, was I taken into heaven? No. Was he there in the room? Probably. But not in a way that anyone can see him. And more importantly than that, the mystery of the prophetic and how God does these types of things are probably a lot foreign to our understanding, and we just need to be able to accept that. But it was real, and what he said to me was real, and no one else in the room discerned it. So most likely what had happened was the Lord had opened up the discerning of spirits, allowed me to discern, and it was a real-time event. It happened real-time, just as I would imagine probably what happened with John when he was taken up into the Spirit, and all of the revelation of Jesus Christ that he wrote down followed that. So this is the power of the discerning of spirits. And so what I want to get you, what I want to leave you with, one thought on that, and you can read through the notes, is we, we need to get a little better about not getting enamored and over-exaggerating how encounters happen. 
right? It's real. I don't need to add to it. I don't need to give it a lot of flowery language. I don't need to write a book and go on tour about it. Like it, no, it's real. And so what we have to do is these types of experiences should be normative in the fact that we are people of the Spirit. Now, we're not trying to run around manifesting big encounters like that somehow makes me more spiritual than you. I wasn't asking for that. Can I just tell you, I was feeling super guilty about falling into sin that day. And so what I'm trying to say is I didn't do anything to earn that, didn't do anything. But, but out of all of that, the Lord saw fit to come and address me. And when he did that, it changed. Now, I wasn't suddenly a super amazing human being after that. But, but God knows that I've loved him in my heart all my life. All right, so if, if the, the, the closing point on this, and I'm going to jump into tongues, is this, is that we can and should be discerning spiritual things regardless of whether or not you have the gift of discerning of spirit. You can sharpen your spirit and strengthen your spirit, and you're predominantly going to do that through your study of the Word and hiding it in your heart and praying in tongues. And this is why I want to tell you, well, tongues isn't for everybody. Yes, it is. It absolutely is for everybody. A devotional prayer language is something you should want and you should pursue it until you get it. And there really isn't a reason why he won't give it to you outside of you're not a real believer. All right? And so tonight, as I transition into that, what I want to say is a couple things is I was raised, uh, and I'm, I'm going to just give you one more story. You guys like stories? All right, so, so I can tell you, um, uh, you know, I've given you guys a lot of my background but I was raised in a, in a um, very non-religious family. My grandmother was probably the only one who was religious. She's a good old Southern Baptist. And, um, and uh, she's the Carolina Southern Baptist, for any of you guys that know that. Uh, but um, anyway, she, uh, you know, so she, I don't ever remember even her talking about the things of God with me. But I, know, I do know she loved God. She's faithful to church and all that. Anyway, so uh, my mom contracted cancer when I was seven, and um, I, I, re I vaguely remember that she must have known she was going to die because I remember her starting to go to church, and I remember the night she got baptized. So, uh, so I know it was real, and I know she's in heaven because she had a salvation experience. I can only guess that she knew her death was impending and she was making things right. I don't know that for sure. It's a, just a guess. But I recall that the night she's in the hospital, I'm not putting it all together, but I, I go to sleep and again ha I have a dream. And in a dream, this man comes to me in the dream and he says, Derek, I'm going to take your mother today and she's going to be with me forever and I will never leave you or forsake you. And... I didn't know who he was. He didn't say his name at all. But I remember getting up the next day and I told my aunt, my mother's sister, she was taking me to school and I said, Mom's going to die today and when she does, come and get me. And sure enough, about two or three hours later, um, they sent a pastor out to pick me up and I remember he told me some dumb story about a little bird that I didn't care anything about. But... Uh, <laughs> Uh, it's real, but I mean, and, and it wasn't arrogant, it was just because I, I kind of already knew, but I didn't know what I knew. Like, I can tell you, when I got home, my heart was broken, so it wasn't like I had this supernatural immunity to grief, no. I, I was trying to figure it out as I went, but yet I did have this inner peace, 
and I didn't know who he was and knew a thing about God. And it wouldn't be for quite a few years later, I'm living with my dad and my stepmom. I'm surviving my childhood, if I could just be honest with you. I mean, I, I have very few happy memories of my childhood. There's a lot of bad stuff. And, but in the process of that, um, this family moves in next door. They, they're a Christian family. They take me in under their wings. And I start going to church with them to, to Christ Wesleyan Church in Greensboro, North Carolina. And, uh, you know, we, they invite me to go to a youth camp that summer. It was just for the church. They give an altar call. And I go down and I give my heart to the Lord. And I hear this voice that says, Derek, I'm going to use you powerfully in music. And I'm going to use you with young people. And when he did that, I could play the piano just like that. And I'm not telling you that I was a concert pianist, but from that moment on, I could just simply play. And I remember thinking, when God did that, I remember thinking, oh, that's who you are. Because I had recognized his voice all the way back when I was seven years old. Now, I, I went into that story, again, I'm not special. Everyone in this room has a story. You have several stories where God has intervened in your life. It's impossible for you to not have stories like that. They may not be the same as mine, but they are your stories. So don't, don't think for a minute that I'm more special than you. I'm not. I'm just a brother with you. Or a, and so anyway, to get to the point, I'm in Christ Wesleyan Church. I get saved, and then I go, and the Lord tells me to start a Bible school, a Bible club in my high school. And my church is right across the street from the high school. And so um, they allowed me to actually have the club. So all you had to do is just walk across the street and we could have our club and didn't even have to worry about having it on campus. And um, as I did this, somehow some guy finds out about it that lives all the way on the other side of Greensboro. And he calls me up one day and he says, hey, um, is this Derek Kirkman? I said, yeah. I was like, who's this? And he says, well, I got you. I forgot how I even got my number. But he said, hey, you know, um, I, I, I go to such and such a church way across on the other side of town, but I have this prayer group that does an all-night prayer meeting every Friday night. And he said, we've been praying and believing for God to raise up a Bible club in that church, and I believe the Lord wants me to help you do it and to kind of mentor you. And, you know, Mike Zimmerman came into my life, and true to his form, he was a powerful man of God that God sent to me to start to show me how to do that. And this man began to talk to me about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and it scared me to death. <laughs> and uh, anyway, I go back to my pastor, and I'm like, what's all this about talking in tongues? And he's like, you know, that's demonic. You know, he started telling me like four or five stories about people talking in tongues, and then they had to cast demons out of them. So, so my mind had already been programmed against it. That was the work of the enemy. Good, good intention people, but the devil using them nonetheless. All right, And so I think I told you the story, so I won't go into all of it again, but it would be a year or two later that I would be in Teen Challenge and I would start praying for the baptism. I was fearful, the programming still in my mind, and yet out of all of that, um, I began to pray. And then when he did fill me with the Holy Spirit, and I, I, I was even seeing like these flashes of light and everything, and uh, it scared me so bad I repented. And then you, you remember, I probably said this a week or two ago, where, 
it took three different people that came up out of the choir. I was down there praying at the altar for God to baptize me. He'd just done it the night before. And it took three different people to come down and say, the Lord's already given you what you've asked him for. That's how important, can I just tell you, that's how important being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Can I, I just feel like the Lord's on that. Listen, whoever you are in this room, don't you dare settle for not being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Don't you do it. That's the work of the enemy. I feel like tonight's your night. I feel like this is going to happen tonight. All right, so, so let me just tell you, this is the single, being baptized in the Holy Spirit, is one of the most powerful declarations to a carnal world that is being um, ruled by demons that when a believer starts to manifest the Holy Spirit and through the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you start praying in heavenly languages. Demons do not know what you're praying. And, and what happens is you are praying out of the perfect will of God and the, the Holy Spirit himself is praying through you. Paul said, I pray in tongues more than all of you. And that was the challenge, the gauntlet he thrown down. Your response should be, uh-uh, we're going to see about that. Right? Because what happens is if the enemy, I, I just feel like, I feel like in this room tonight I can sense it. Some of you have been programmed against it, and we've got to break that. We, you, you really cannot afford to not have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to just say two things because I feel led to do this. One, if you are authentically saved, you have the Holy Spirit in you. You cannot be saved without the Holy Spirit. So you are indwelt if, if you are legitimately saved. And if you're not, we can definitely fix that uh, without a doubt. But, but, but tonight, the Bible says that when you cross over and the Father gives you that revelation of the Son of God that only He can do, you are born into the kingdom, and the immediate result of that is the Holy Spirit comes to reside within you, and as 1 Corinthians says, you are joined to Christ. It's like you're Siamese twins now. So the Holy Spirit is in you. This is why, can I tell you, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not hard because he's already on the inside of you. All he really wants to do now is overshadow you or come upon you and endue you with power that you don't get any other way. All right? So this is not a hard thing. If you're saved, you're halfway in right now. You can't say you don't believe in the Holy Spirit. He's already in you. All right, so if that's you tonight and you want us to pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I want to do that because, and so secondarily to that, I want to tell you every believer should pray in tongues. All right, so tonight what we're going to talk about, and I want to, if, if, if you don't remember anything else, what I want you to remember tonight is every believer can and should pray in tongues. I should pray in tongues. All right. Now, if you can't, there's a couple of reasons why, and we can get you past that. But what I want to convince you of tonight, there is no reason outside of you are not an authentic believer that God doesn't want. When he gave the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, he gave Holy Spirit to mankind. It was no longer going to be just a select few prophets or priests or kings that he put his spirit on anymore. Uh, Moses said, I, I would that all were prophets. Joel answered him and said, in the last days I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Joel, Joel had the answer to what Moses prayed. And then Peter stood up and said, oh, by the way, what Joel prophesied, it's here right now. 
that all flesh part. So whatever demonic programming you've received tonight, undo that. Matter of fact, I just want to do this right now. So if, if you want the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and, and you, you're afraid of it, or you've had some conditioning against it, then I just want you to repeat this after me. And why don't we all say this? That way the people that, who are saying it won't have to feel self-conscious. So would you pray with me right now? Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I reject any teaching, any programming, any fear associated with being baptized in the Holy Spirit, I receive right now the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Father, I ask you now to give me the Holy Spirit. Come upon me, Holy Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in tongues. I come out of agreement with any teaching, with any belief system, with any fear that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is wrong, that I could receive a demon, that I'm manifesting demons, I come out of agreement with all that now. I receive the beautiful gift of my heavenly prayer language. I won't fear it. And when I ask in faith, I will receive what I'm asking for. I'm good enough because you made me good enough. I'm righteous because you gave me your righteousness. You called me worthy. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so the, if that's you tonight, at the end, when we start doing a little ministry tonight, and you want to get a prayer language, I feel like we need to take the time to do that, all right? So we're just going to renounce that. You're going to come out of agreement. The way to freedom is always to come out of agreement with what you believe that's not truth and come into agreement with what the Lord says is truth, all right? So let's go through this really quick. Um, wrong, uh, in discerning of excuse me, in tongues and interpretation of tongues. I'm going to start on page 38. And uh, I like this quote. One of the linguists reported that although he did not identify words, he felt that one prayer had been instruct had structured in much the same way a modern poem is structured. This is someone praying in tongues. Modern poetry depends upon sound as much as upon verbal meaning to get across its message. He said, in this one prayer, I felt that although I didn't understand the literal sense of her words, I did catch the emotional content of what she was saying. It was a hymn of love, beautiful. Now, you can take this one quote by John Sherrill. I think it came from the book, They Speak With Other Tongues. It's a classic. But what you can understand is you're capturing what the essence that every single believer can do. Um, there's been times when I've heard the person next to me praying in the Spirit, and while I could not give you a word-for-word -word translation about what they were praying, I could discern the beautiful praise and adoration that was coming out of their heart in another language. You can do that. 
the, the, what's so powerful about the believer, about the, the one Spirit that has baptized us all into one Spirit, the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit resides in you, you can discern what's happening in the Spirit. That doesn't take a gift. You can, by, by reason of use, build your discern, build a strong spirit, and you can become discerning of spiritual things. And every believer is called to do that. You, that, that's part of the legacy of having the Holy Spirit in you. And what this, what this quote talks about is that while theoretically, if someone does step out in a gift of tongues and no one interprets, now, again, that's a little out of order, and I, I'm going to talk about that, but even theoretically, if that did happen, every single authentic believer in the room could discern on some level what was coming out of that person in tongues. It might even be just an impression. But the reason why there has to be an interpretation is due to the fact that unbelievers do not have the Spirit of God in them and spiritual things are spiritually discerned and they have no ability whatsoever to connect with what's happening when someone's praying in tongues. That's why there must be an interpretation. And so just like, um, so, so as an introduction, let's read uh, 1 Corinthians 12 really quick. To each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the benefit of all. So again, in the assembly, the goal is the benefit of the assembly. Not just one person in the assembly, but the entire assembly. And this helps us also to understand that when we gather and when we are in assembly, we are not focused on the individual. We are focused on the assembly. And whatever needs you come in with, you trust and give over to the Lord that while you're in assembly and taking your place in an assembly, the Lord is going to bring what is necessary to meet you where you are while you're focused focus on contributing and being a part of the whole, right? All right, so going on, for one person is given through the message, the, uh, the spirit, the message of wisdom, another the message of knowledge according to the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one spirit, to another miracles, prophecy, and to another the discerning of spirits, and then we get into to another different kinds of tongues, and to another, the interpretation of tongues. It's one and the same Spirit distributing as He decides to each person who produces all these things. So let's break this down. One, diverse tongues. There are supernatural utterance in an unknown tongue. Interpretation of tongues is the supernatural ability to interpret. Everybody say interpret. Not translate, interpret. And this is where people get all caught up. They think that you can have someone get up and give like a 10-second message in tongues, and then the next person get up and give like a 30-minute interpretation. Now, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but, but the reason why that's real and it's not off and, and the length of the tongue doesn't correlate to the length of the interpretation is because the person who's interpreting is operating by a, by, by a supernatural uh, ability to be able to take and coalesce in the Spirit what the person is praying in tongues. It's never going to be a word for word. It's going to be more of, let me interpret what you're hearing over here. So, so don't get caught up and don't get... Um, you know, don't get nervous about, well, 
uh, I only gave like a three-second tongue. Um, there's times when I've heard people praying, and I knew they'd stepped over into the gift of tongues, but I didn't say anything, and, and you know, but, but what we've got to learn how to do, I believe that many of you are probably starting to tap into this gift, and that if we give you a little nudge, I believe we'll start to see it a little more, and I believe there's quite a few people here who actually have the gift of interpretation of tongues, all right? So um, moving on, then um, he goes on to say, um, I'm going to jump down in, in, in uh, verse 14, or excuse me, chapter 14. I highlighted what I believe the critical points in that scripture, so let me talk about that in verse 6. If I, come to, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I help you? Right? Uh, jumping down to 9, if you do not speak clearly with your tongue, how does anybody know what's being said? Then he goes on to say in 12, since you're eager for the manifestations of the Spirit, seek to abound in order to strengthen the church. Now, that's sort of out of context, but understand that all the gifts are meant to do is to strengthen the church. So when we are operating in gifts, understand that the first question that we should ask, especially when I feel like I need to step out and speak in tongues or interpret, what should be going through my mind is the strengthening of this body, right? Now, we can get into how that happens, and we can be strengthened through correction, right? And, but we have to be careful because we can only correct to the degree that we have an assignment from the Lord to do that. And, and largely, what that means is when you're talking about an assembly and an ability to correct an assembly, most of the time, we don't really have the license to bring correction like that. Leaders do. And, and I don't see that in a way that makes you less than a leader. That's not what I'm trying to talk about. But generally, the Bible talks about we shouldn't prophesy. We should only prophesy according to our faith. And what that's really talking about is not how much I believe, because some of us would reach really high on what we believe, but it really talks about prophesying my faith is really out of the, the level of stature that I have in the Spirit, really. Right? If you just got saved, you're going to have a little bit less stature you know, in, in history than someone who's been walking with God for 30 years who probably could get up and say a, a few things that are correctional. But by and large, what I want to say to you tonight is that we don't really want to use the gifts of the Spirit to bring correction to a body most of the time. If you ever feel like you have a corrective word, I would always run that through a leader first. Well, what if they say no? Then let them say no. Your job was to, is to go through the proper channel. And if they say no and God doesn't like that, then that's on them now, right? I, I now have absolved myself of the responsibility now that I've, I've worked through the proper protocol that's in place in a house. And then if they say no, then they say no, I'm absolved. Okay, well, God, you have to deal with it there. This is where a lot of people get messed up. You know, the one lady was severely, like, ticked off at the pastor, so she stands up one day. And she says, thus says the Lord, God said, I am writing Michelob over the doorpost of this church. And she sat down, probably realized what she said, and then she literally had the audacity to get up and say, and the Lord would correct himself and say, Ichabod. <laughs> True story. So anyway, since you are eager for the manifestation of the Spirit, seek to abound to strengthen. So remember, we're called to strengthen. Stay away from anything 
that doesn't strengthen. When you start to do the check, if you're going to interpret, if you're going to prophesy, you're going to do anything like that, and you have a question in your mind, it's always the best practice to go find an elder and ask. Do that. And you know why it is? It's not that anybody's here is controlling. It's that these guys will save you a lot of embarrassment from getting up there and saying crazy stuff. Can I just be honest with you? I've been in situations where people have said some off-the-wall crazy stuff. And then I've also been in ser services where these little grandmas, like I expect her to just break out one day. I'm, she's, I, like the first time I ever saw her, uh, Madeline's, uh, Madeline's mom, Elizabeth, uh, like, like she had her in her hand, all like, the blood, the blood, the blood. And she was getting some lady delivered right next to her. I'm like, you go. I love grandmas. But I was in a little church one day, and, and this grandma got up, and she started rattling off in tongues. And she didn't give, <coughs> she didn't give anybody any time to think about if they were called to interpret. She, she went in to start interpreting that tongue. And, and she began to talk about, she didn't really, I don't even remember what the word was. But she, she started to expose a cancerous sin that, that was happening in that church. And, and I'm going to tell you, as a young Teen Challenge graduate, I remember feeling, and it wasn't, the, the interpretation, it was serious, and there was, there was emotion coming out of it. But you looked at that little grandma and said, that, that woman probably prays eight hours a day. I'm going to believe anything she says. <laughs> right? And she gets up there and she whips, out, she whips out this thing and she starts calling about the heart of God and how he's anguished over the sin that was happening in that church. And, and, and uh, I remember feeling like this fear of God start to roll through the building. It was like you suddenly became afraid that you were a sinner. And I'm like, <coughs> I'm checking my own self, is it me? What's going on? Well, anyway, I, I don't, all the details, it's been so many years ago now, but whatever she did, she exposed, without calling out the person, the, the big piano player there at the time was in blatant immorality. And I, what, the way I think I remember it is that he basically hardened his heart and left the church over it. But nonetheless, that whole tongue and interpretation of tongue, uh, tongues brought out the sin and exposed it without really calling attention to the person he exposed himself now now that's one glaring and dramatic example but i'm telling you this is the difference and if you just will let me be me tonight when you just focus on being churchy you don't get any of that stuff because that makes the crowd nervous and people don't like that but when you become an assembly that's devoted to, to honoring God in his own house, I'm telling you, he'll do things like that that'll rock the congregation, and he needs to do that. I mean, it's like the same thing when you're going to lie and say you sold your land and you gave it all to God and didn't, and then you struck dead, and then your wife comes along and they carry her corpse out too. This is how you know God's among them. Now, I know he doesn't do that every day, but what I'm trying to say is this, these are a couple examples of what tongues and interpretation can do, especially when they're wielded rightly. And I believe this is why the enemies work so hard to drive it out of the church. <coughs> out of all the gifts, I mean, in the natural tongues and interpretation, tongues are the most ridiculous out of all of them. They, they confound the mind. The mind cannot wrap around. It cannot wrap its head around speaking in an unknown language that you don't know anything about. All right, so let's talk through it. Uh, bottom of page 41, Paul lays out a sophisticated rationale for why 
believers should refrain from speaking in tongues without an interpretation. So let's go over that real quick. So they asked the question the other week, is it okay to sing in tongues in a microphone? Is it okay to pray in tongues out loud? And the simple rule of thumb is, and Barry, if you need to do any damage control, just let me know. <laughs> but uh, but the, here's the simple rule of thumb. <coughs> when we are gathered, we're not being selfish and focused on ourselves. We are deferring to everyone. Right? So if you could take the principle of what Paul's saying here, um, then understand that it's not just speaking in tongues. It's anything that I would do that would exert my right over everyone else's. Now, so what does that mean? Well, it's like one time, and I, hey, I just got like it. I mean, the guy's up here preaching, and all of a sudden, someone out in the audience starts groaning right in the middle of his tree, uh, preaching. Was that in order? No. And he got called out for it. Rightly so. Because what he did is this man's ministering the Word of God. It's going out. It's quick and powerful. And suddenly, this one brother, in the middle of the sermon, starts to become a distraction and, his, and, and the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12, the spirit of the prophet subject to the prophet. In other words, whatever manifestation you feel like you just have to let loose of right now, no, you can control that and you should control that. And so in tongues and interpretation of tongues, is it appropriate for us to do that? Well, I would say, and I, th I think it's generally, correct me if I'm wrong, Barry, but I believe it's generally the thought here that you should refrain in an assembly from doing um, a lot of vocal, loud um, praying in tongues without an interpretation. Now, is anybody going to crucify you for that? No. But understand that, <coughs> especially in a gathering, while our assemblies aren't for the unbeliever, they're not, they're believers' meetings. This is where a lot of what's going wrong in church today, they're trying to reach the lost in your gatherings, and meanwhile the sheep are starving because, because we're, we're limiting and putting the Holy Spirit in the closet because it offends lost people. And then you know what you do when you get that? You get a church full of lost people who don't want the Holy Spirit. All right? But in the same token, the Lord makes, Paul makes concession for the fact that you are going to invite your friends and the un unsafe people are going to be here. And can I just tell you what's really happening? The reason why uh, interpretation of tongues exists is because, in a sense, anybody who is not here a a as a believer is under the judgment of God and cannot discern for themselves what's happening. And so license has to be made for their weakness so that someone can begin to interpret in such a way that they can understand it. And even though you and I may not be able to rationalize it, we can still discern it through our spirit. So I don't mean that to sound like God hates sinner. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying this is why you have that. And so what we do, and, and to me, that's the love of God. He doesn't want an unbeliever to come in here and, and suddenly not really. Paul even says, won't they say you're out of your mind and run out the door? Yeah, they will. They absolutely will. But yet, how effective is it? Is it that if we begin to minister the gift of tongues, and you can see how powerful it is. A year ago, Barry and Diane released a word together talking about getting your inheritance, and that word is enduring a year later. And it's essentially setting the course for this body. So that's how you know when it's real and it's powerful. So the rule of thumb is, is nobody's going to come after, there's no tongue police here, Right? We're not going to call you out. You're not going to get, um, and, and you don't need a, a tongue passport either, right? 
But at the same spec, what you want to do is be cognizant of the people around you. And when you're not actively operating in a gift, um, then I would, I, would, I would keep quiet and not draw attention to yourself. I'm not saying don't pray in tongues, and we do it in main assemblies. Now, it's something like tonight. I say we, we have a lot looser uh, requirements because these are entirely believers' meetings. Would you agree with that, Barry? Okay. And I would also add to the fact that when you're a singer and you're singing in tongues, it, it gets a little more gray, but I would, argue, I would argue that probably what's coming after the tongues is in some form an interpretation of what they're singing. And so maybe what I would say, and Barry, you can clean this up later, but I, what I would say, uh, what I would say, what I would say um, to the worship team is start training your team that when you pray in tongues, listen and begin to sing interpretations. Why not? Well, I, I, suddenly, you, you may now have just taken worship to a whole other level because you're actively using a spiritual gift when you do it. Any, any disagreement with that? Would you tell me if you did? <laughs> I believe that. <laughs> All right. So a uh, couple examples. Um, over, and so let me uh, finish up there. So he says, uh, uh, bottom of page 41, the person um, speaking in tongues is speaking to God, not to people. So tongues is a beautiful thing. You should pray in tongues all the time. You should pray in tongues in church. Just don't have to blurt it out so everybody on this side of the building hears you, right? All right? Learn to realize when we're in assembly, you are assembled, ready, for everyone else, not for you. Right? Okay. B, the person is building himself up, not others. Nothing wrong with that. You should build yourself up all the time, but don't build yourself up to the neglect or the detriment of everyone else. Right? Uh, C, the assembly is for all to be strengthened, therefore we must interpret. Now, again, I've heard many people uh, really get, they're like, they get, they're the, the tongues police, man. They're waiting for you to step out of line so they can come correct you. Now, I think that's the wrong spirit, right? We correct in love, and we're trying to help people, encourage them, not break them down and use the law to beat them up, right? So, but realize we're doing this in a way, and we should want to do this because the desire of our heart is to love one another well, all right? So, moving on, verse 12, since you're eager for the manifestation of the Spirit, abound, seek to abound and strengthen the church, and verse 13, so then when one speaks in a tongue, should pray that he may interpret F. Otherwise, if you are praising God with your spirit, how can someone without the gift say amen to your thanksgiving? And then um, verse 19, but in the church, I want to speak five words with my mind to instruct others rather than 10,000 words in a tongue. Tongues are a sign not for believers, but for what? So the gift of tongues is actually for unbelievers. The devotional tongue is for you as a believer. All right, let me give you just a couple things here, and then I'm going to call Barry and Diane up. So we're almost, this is a pretty short chapter. But um, <clears throat> let me give you, so in Acts 2.24, suddenly a sound like a violent wind, middle of page 42. Uh, blowing came from heaven and filled the entire house where they were sitting, and tongues spreading out like a fire appeared to them and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak with other languages as the Spirit enabled them. 
I would argue that this doesn't qualify as a gift of tongues and interpretation of tongues because they spoke in earthly languages and didn't need to be interpreted. Yet, it was a sign and a wonder because that happened, it let everyone else know present that somehow they were able to know that these people were speaking in languages they weren't supposed to. Thus, it was a demonstration that the Holy Spirit had truly been given. So that's really not the best example, yet um, it qualifies really not as the gift of tongues, but it qualifies as a miracle. Do you understand that when God super, uh, when he circumvented a natural law that says suddenly you can speak an earthly language you don't know, that's miraculous, all right? Uh, Let me give you a couple tips. There are no examples of speaking of the gift of tongues where you can actually see someone doing it, but you can see in Scripture many examples where people were baptized in the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in tongues. Again, I would argue, and this is my personal opinion, I think he does it that way in Scripture so that we wouldn't overcomplicate it with our intellectualism. All right, so let me give you a couple tips, and Barry and Diane, if you guys want to come up real quick, we're going to do a little interviewing here. But number one, under uh, section five, when you're going to minister tongues, here's a super cool thing here. Like, pick the right time to do it. Don't ever do it when somebody's preaching. Don't ever do that. All right? Don't ever do that. Um, don't blurt out and interrupt someone else by giving a message in tongues, right? Uh, so understand where it fits in the flow of the assembly. Now, now what you're probably going to know, the people who do this a lot, they intuitively are looking for that moment of silence. And Allison's actually really good about that. She'll, she won't, that's what I really love about you. you, you she won't feel like a bunch of dead spaces just by doing a bunch of dumb stuff. Like she'll stop. No, I'm sure. Will. Can I just be real? She'll stop and go, I don't really have anything. Let's just wait on the Lord. Cool. Love it. That's always a win, right? You don't ever lose by waiting on God, right? So a lot of times when there's a flow, when there's a stop in worship, that doesn't always mean God wants to bring forth a tongue, but it's a good time to bring one, right? And so look for that place. Number two, most often happens during worship, but can happen anytime, just not during when, not as an interruption to someone else, all right? Number three, look for the pause, and those happen a lot. Like there's sometimes during announcements, I wish somebody would get up and give a message in tongues. <laughs> Though sometimes I wish people would get up and prophesy the announcements. <clears throat> and then never interrupt a speaker in the gift of tongues. Okay, so Barry and Diane, you guys want to come up? All right, so here's what we're going to do. So you guys be thinking about a question. I'm going to do some interviewing. And when you have a question, um, you guys raise your hand and I'll call on you. And folks, this is where we want to... We want, to, um, we want to go super practical. If you've ever had any questions about tongues, the devotional tongues, where you can pray it, every believer can pray it, pray it or the um, supernatural gift of tongues and interpretation, um, then now's the time to ask it. So I'm, I'm going to start here with Barry. So Barry has, do you have the gift? Of, what, what are we doing here? <clears throat> so Barry, we know you have the gift of tongues, or the interpretation of tongues. Do you have the gift of tongues? No. So you've never given a message in tongues that you, that you can remember? I don't remember one, do you? Okay, so we know Barry has the gift of tongues. He uses that quite often. Now we know, or the uh, interpretation, sorry. Now we know that you actually have the gift of tongues. Is that right? Yes. 
Okay, so uh, let's start with you, Diane. How, when did you first realize you had the gift of tongues? Do you remember? I mean, probably in high school. Okay, and, and how did you come to know you had it? Actually, I don't, I don't remember actually giving a tongue in high school, but um, I did a lot of interpreting. And it was crazy because before I would even go to church, I'd just be praying, and I just would feel a super strong presence of the Lord and a very strong impression of like a thought or some words. And so when I'd go to church, somebody would give a tongue, and it was like, it was the craziest thing because I don't have it anymore. I heard English in my head. They were speaking in tongues, and I know you said it's not like, translation but to me it was just like word for word i knew every word it was crazy yeah that's right on. i don't have that now. so i totally don't have it i'll get an impression even when i pray in tongue you know or have a gift of tongues i'll have an impression and so it that's really cool to me because then it's always like it's always right on like what the person ends up interpreting is usually like what I was really sensing even though I didn't have I didn't have the interpretation but I had a sense okay which brings us to a really good point if you have the gift of tongues you automatically have the ability to interpret now scripture says that would you agree with that Barry however as Barry has pointed out you can have interpretation of tongues and not necessarily have the gift of tongues would you agree with that and this is clearly uh, identified here. Now, she's saying originally she could interpret, but you have it in a while and you feel like you don't really have the gift anymore. Is that what you said? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and I wouldn't argue with that one bit. The Lord, um, you'll find that a lot of times in gifts, and again, I don't try to make big, deep theologies because when something's needed, the Lord has a way of bringing it about. But what I will say is I've only in my own life I've, as far as I can remember, given two messages in tongues, and the first time I did it, I said I was never going to do it again. Yeah, I was, it scared me to death. But, but it lifted from me, and I don't think I've given a message in tongues since. I think it'd be super cool to do it. I've just never had the unction. All right, so now let's talk about this really quickly, Diane, because this is really what everybody wants to know. How do you know, because you know this is what you want to know. All right, how do you know when it's time to give a message in tongues? What happens? I mean, get as, get as specific as you can get. A lot of times before I, the Lord does use me that way, there'll be maybe even a couple weeks before, I'll just be like, Lord, it's been a while. Like, we haven't had that gift, you know, and we need it. Like, we need you. So I'll just be out praying, and I'll just be asking him for that. And then, honestly, like, a lot of times before the service, maybe just right before the service or maybe the day before the service, just in prayer, just fellowshipping with the Lord, just have a sense of, oh, it's coming. Like, you, you want that. Like, that's coming. And then in the service, I'm just like, okay, Lord, you have to make that happen. You know, and it has to be you. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the whole heart beating and, <laughs> you know, like, God, only if it's you, only if it's you, only if it's you. Uh, I don't want to do it myself, Lord. I can't do anything. There's, Nothing without you. So, yeah, you know, you kind of, I guess we all go through that, right? So, when it's you, 
whenever the Lord wants to use us in any way, you know, we're like, we totally want it to be the Lord. So, yeah, I definitely have that little, like, spiritual meltdown. Now, uh, Barry, correct me if I'm wrong, and I believe you will. Now, I, okay, Kevin, I got you. Uh, um, I believe, uh, so correct me if you don't agree with this. Um, yeah, I'm just kind of making this up. No, I'm kidding. Uh, I believe that when you have someone in the house who is established and has the gift of interpretation, to me, it alleviates the fear that you're going to give a message in tongues and no one interprets. I, I don't know that there's ever been a message in tongues where, where they were left hanging here at Heart of the Father. Is that true? So while I would encourage you to, 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 if you feel like you're going to give that message in tongues, to also be praying, it's okay to wait and pause a little bit, and odds are Barry's going to come to your rescue. Everybody say, thank you, Barry. <laughs> All right, so now let me ask you another question, then we're going to go back to interpretation here. Um, do you remember the last time you gave a message in tongues? Yes. Uh, when was it? How long ago was it? Um, was it? It was when Barry was doing communion. Was it months or weeks? I feel like it was recent. Okay, everybody sign, but it's time for another message in tongues. Well, we just had one, Janet Penny. Oh, that's right. Okay, excellent. A couple weeks ago. Okay, I do remember that now. All right, so when you felt prompted, did you know ahead of time before the service you were going to give it? No. So you fell into the moment. Were you praying in the Spirit in your own language before you gave it? Do you find that in, a, in an assembly, when you're, when you're getting ready to give it, that you're, in, that you're into, into praying in the Spirit on your own, and suddenly that just gives rise to the gift where it starts to come forward? How do you know when it's time to, to vocalize it and get really loud and release something? Like in your mind, do you know, I have to, I'm, I'm operating in the gift, or does it just come natural and you don't even think about it? No, it's definitely very distinct. <clears throat> it's not... Um... It's not like all of a sudden I started praying and I'm praying in my own language and then all of a sudden it's just like um, bursting forth and it's for the congregation. It's, it's very different to me. Like I know what my own prayer language tongues sound like. Okay, and, and it changes. It does seem like it has changed a little bit. And I've had that sometimes praying for people, and I know Barry and I both have. We're praying for people, and then all of a sudden it's like, what? Are we, are we praying in Mandarin or something? Like, what is this? Like, no, you definitely have a different shift in languages um, sometimes. So I, it does seem it's a little, a little bit distinct from my own prayer language. But it's usually, honestly, like the, probably the biggest clue to me is just in my own fellowship with the Lord, just feeling like, oh, Lord, I just, I'm sensing it. I'm sensing like mm. it's soon. Like I don't know if it's Sunday or maybe if it's in a couple weeks or whatever, but it's soon and just... Yeah, and then usually that morning, it'll just be, have a stronger sense of it. Okay, last question, then Kevin, we're going to let Kevin. Do you, when you are giving a message, do you believe you have a sense of what you're saying? Or are you doing this just totally blind or deaf? So, usually I have a sense. <laughs> okay. I can say every single time, but usually there is a sense. Okay, when Janet Penny just gave a message, did you feel like you knew what she was saying? I was in kids' church. Oh. <laughs> All right, Kevin, what you got, brother? Yeah, and I'll let you repeat it, so I don't want to just get a little Okay. Diane, you said that you don't, you feel like you do not have the gift of interpretation anymore, right? Right. Do you feel that that's because you married Barry? Yeah, no. I mean, I, I mean, I want to put in a positive way because, because now God 
actually, when that gift of interpretation went away, sad to say, was when we went to Rhema. Oh. Um, and that was very interesting. I hear Bible College does that. No, I'm good. No, we were, honestly, like, they probably had so many squirrels running around. I mean, I understand. It probably, you know, happened. I, I was a little squirrel myself. And so, you know, they wanted all of us squirrels to just be quiet. Like, if you don't know anything, you don't have all these gifts that you think you have. Like, just, you're here to learn. Sit down. <laughs> and so, honestly, like, it went. It went. I never have, I've never had it since. And I was used all the time in high school, like in my little assembly. We've got a church. I love it. Babe. Yeah. Okay, come on up. That way we get you in the mic. So go ahead and ask your question. She can hold it for you. Diane will hold it. Go ahead. Well, I know that one of the times that it might have been um, the one from a year ago, she was <coughs> right next to me. And I could, like, feel it. Uh -huh. Right? And she ended up on her knees, and I'm next to her on my knees. And as she's giving it, sense it and then as he was saying it I'm like yeah. yeah you know what I mean yes and I could feel it like the presence of the Lord fell upon her so I wondered if that's ever happened with like when you're sitting next to your children you know and you're at your seat like does it does that you know or if you were sitting next to each other do you feel the presence of the Lord because like I could feel it like I, you know like I said like I, I was feeling that presence where I ended up on my knees and next to her while she's giving out the tongues and then yeah. she's interpreting and I'm, I'm affirming it. Like, I, I, I could, like, know that that's what she was saying, you know, but I didn't know what she was saying. In Absolutely. I didn't have yeah. that All right, what do you got, Diane? Do <laughs> you, you have an answer for that? Well, since I'm the one doing this, <laughs> I mean... <laughs> like no absolutely sense of presence of the Lord yeah absolutely I don't know like I I I didn't know anybody around me would so that's interesting I didn't know that Jeff so excellent any other questions yes sir come on up here uh, oh thanks sir We'll have you ask your question in the mic, and then I'm going to pass it back to one of these two to answer it. Okay. So, um, obviously, you feel the presence of God when you hear people speak in tongues. In that same sense, I've felt the devil's presence and people who have spoke what I believe is false tongues. Okay. Can you discern which is God and which is of the devil? Yes. I'll answer that. And uh, do you have another question? And I'm going to even give you a story of how that happened. Oh, we good? You got? Okay. So um, that's an excellent question. How do you, can, can the devil speak in demonic tongues? Absolutely. How do you know through the discerning of spirits? And I would even argue that highly trained and deeply spiritual saints who, have, who are not carnal and have a prayer life will, will discern it. Um, so it doesn't even necessarily take, but let me give you a quick story. There's a young lady that I, my wife and I were ministering to years ago and, uh, she was a young adult and, uh, she came to me, she's in our young adults ministry that I was leading. And, uh, she basically came and said, you know, I've been raped multiple times and you could, I, I knew, I knew she had demons. Um, uh, and, and one of the reasons why I knew, uh, was well, because I sensed them every time I got around her. And then secondly, she would always wear these over, um, these overly large sweatshirts. She, it looked like she was intentionally trying to not look feminine. 
And so anyway, I started talking to her. She had reached out to me for help. And so I was going to um, I was going to really start praying for deliverance for her, but I felt the Lord check me and say, if you do that, you'll traumatize her. She's already been through a lot of trauma. And so what I began to do is my wife and I began to counsel with her week after week. We started talking about the love of God, really trying to nurture her and to encourage her. Well, one day, this is probably like four or five times we had met with her, we're sitting in my office and I'm talking to her and literally her entire face goes blank. And she literally, like she's in a trance, gets up, walks out of my office, walks down the hall, and out the back door. And literally is just standing out the back door of the church, looking up at the sky like she's not even there. And I'm telling her, I'm going, hey, what's going on? And she, it's just like she was in a, almost a, a complete tr trance. So I told Jen, I said, Jen's running to go get the pastor and call him all in. I think we need to pray for her and get her delivered. Well, what had happened previous to that, um, let me back up because I had forgotten this. This is the reason why I was telling it. In a, in a worship service during this time period, she came to me and she said, I really want to be free. This is probably a couple of weeks before. And I remember I said, yeah, let's take you in. So I took a couple of us into a room and we began to pray, pray for her. She started, she started speaking in tongues and I knew right away it was demons. So, uh, and then, then I started praying over, and then she just got this smile, and she just started singing, and then I felt quickened in my heart, it's not really the time yet. And so I just said, well, okay, we're going to keep praying, you know, and so we kept meeting with her, I think, for about a number, a couple more weeks, and, and in meeting with her, we were working on building her faith for freedom, all right? And so anyway, this day came, and, and we're back to the moment. She's standing out there. I guide her back into the sanctuary. The pastor comes in, and we were able to get her lucid enough where um, she could listen to us. And we said, we're going to start praying over you. We're going to cast these demons out. And um, when she did that, we started praying. And, and this is probably one of the most extreme examples. She started talking in a man's voice. She said, I've owned her since she's seven, and there's no way I'm leaving. And... Uh, and when she did that, she started, it looked like she was starting to levitate off the floor. It took like three of us to hold her down. Now, I don't know if that's just because she became super strong or not. But, um, and, and we had to do it quick because we didn't want her to feel like she was being assaulted by, by people. But we began to pray over her, and, and, um, and those demons came out pretty violently. And the moment she started praying in tongues, or she started speaking in a demonic tongue, and uh, the pastor sensed that I believe it was him, and he commanded her, that demon to be quiet, and immediately she had, to, she had to be quiet. She couldn't speak in tongues anymore. And, um, and in hindsight, we don't, let, I don't, we don't usually let demons, man, that's just a theatrical show, by the way. That's just Hollywood show. And they love to show off like that, so we don't let that happen. But anyway, we got her free. And I'm going to tell you, how do we know she got free? Because her entire countenance, it was like somebody was shining a light on her. I mean, and the, the wrinkle, just the brow that she had was totally gone. You could see, and, she, and we prayed, and she immediately began to pray in the Spirit, and the tongues completely changed. And you could feel, I mean, we say this a lot around here, but you could feel the pleasure of God on that. You knew, everybody in the room knew it was real. I think she went on to get married, you know, her life. She'd been you know, raped multiple times by different people. It's like she had just attracted abusers. But uh, as far as I know, she went on to live a productive life. So the answer to your question, that is true. And how do you know? It takes spiritually discerning people.
That's why. And that's why um, things like that in most of the time should happen in the midst of the assembly or at least with discerning people who are mature and can handle situations like that. All right. Yes, ma'am, come on up here. We want to get it on the... So this is for Barry. So when you feel like you have an interpretation, do you, how long do you wait before you give it? Do you ever like think to yourself, maybe I should see if someone else has it? You know what I mean? Because I wonder if there's multiple people in the room with that gift, and you're, I feel like you're such a team player. So I just wonder, what do you, what's going through your head in those moments? Uh, yes, I do try to pause sometimes. If Diane gives it, Almost immediately it triggers inside of me and I know that I have it. I, I believe this, just from talking to other people that interpret tongues, is that anybody in the room that interprets tongues could probably interpret any tongue that comes forth. Okay. They, they, could, they could latch onto it and pick it up. But I think that there's, sometimes there's an edge on it where like you're, you're the person. Yeah. Uh, I feel like that when Diane gives a tongue, like I, I've got it. Like as soon as she starts, it triggers something inside of me and I know that I have it. So. Um, but even like when Janet's given them a few different times, like I knew that. I, but see the timing of that? I had the mic up there. Okay. So I'm the natural one to, to do it. Yeah. That, would, that would be in order. She would give the tongue like this last time. I'm walking up there. I've got the mic right in front. So bam, that's what I'm going to do. And the other time in the Staples building that I remember that Janet gave a tongue and I interpreted the same thing. I, I had the mic or I was ministering and I was, you know, was going into a ministry time and she, she brought that forth. And it was just a timing thing. So it made sense. Okay. It made sense with the flow of the service. But, yeah, if it's just in a whole worship service and a tongue came forth and I didn't, like, have that quickening, then I, I would for sure wait. And I, I waited even the one time when Diane gave that tongue, I think that we're talking about, like, I didn't have my hearing aids in. And I didn't know that. I didn't, honestly, <laughs> I heard somebody speaking in tongues, but I didn't know it was her. <clears throat> and so um, I just kind of waited on the Lord for a minute, like, Maybe somebody else has got it, and then it just clicked inside me, and I, I knew what it was. Well, uh, so I'm going to ask you one more question about that. <clears throat> what I would also recommend, um, whoever is officiating and whoever has the mic at the time, whoever has the, ha the wireless, the sound people ought to automatically be cued that whenever that happens, the person with that wireless mic probably should get it, and they should say, now we, and micro teach through it. Now, we've just had a, a message in tongues. So now we're going to just wait a few minutes for an interpretation. If, if Barry, would you agree with that? Sure. Yeah. And so now my question is, what if someone does feel like they have the interpretation? What should they do about it? Um, well, they, should, they could come up. I mean, I guess it depends on the situation. Um, they could certainly go <laughs> something like that. If, if you feel like there's a pause there and nobody's giving it, again, um, my experience at Heart of the Father this whole time is that nobody else has ever given an interpretation in tongues. So I'm kind of, when tongue comes forth, I'm kind of, I'm tuned to it. You know what I mean? So I'm going to probably, if it makes sense, but like in those situations where, you know, if I have the mic and it just makes sense for the flow of the service, everybody can hear it. That's one of the issues sometimes that happens with tongues. If somebody's back in the congregation and they're speaking, people can faintly barely hear it and don't really know what's happening. So it's always better to come up front in fact, the time that you're referring to when that word came forth, I actually felt that stirring. I felt like Diane had a tongue, and I went over to, to where she was sitting. I said, do you feel like you have something? Because I felt like I had it, you know, in, inside of me, the interpretation. So she was a little bit reluctant. Like, you know, she, she's doing that thing. Right? 
God, you said something. So, which I'm totally for, but then she came up front. That's why she was up front in that front pew area, and, and she gave that thing. You know, she's, she's real averse to being out in front and being focal and all that, so she, that's why she got down there underneath the pew. Um, yeah. So that, that, that's what that was. Okay, now I'm going to, um, uh, if you'll let me, I'm going to dovetail onto that. Um, I'm going to add something to that. I believe we're entering a season where the Lord's going to start raising up other people to interpret. I said, I want you to get ready. All right? So if you guys would be willing, elders, would you, when that starts happening, would you give a little bit of space? And here's, here's the other thing I want to encourage you with. Now, I've been in, I'm, I'm, I'm from the Pentecostal, you know, when I left the Wesleyans, I joined the Pentecostals. It was one extreme to the other. And, uh, man, I was back during the day when you, you, tongues were pretty normal. And, um, and then uh, all of a sudden somebody whip out something and they start interpreting. And the pastor goes, nope, sister, that's not of the Lord. Sit down. Rapture now. Yeah. Like, I don't believe in the rapture, I don't think. But rapture right now. I know. And, and luckily that doesn't happen as much now. But the point that I'm trying to say is, is that... Um, you know, when there's an overabundance of it, sometimes the Lord will have to micro-correct the other side. We're not really at that point. So you don't have to, unless you're just starting to blaspheme God, no one's going to probably, if anything, they'd probably cut you off pretty quick so you don't embarrass yourself. You know what I'm saying? So, so understand, and I, I think this represents the heart of the other. We want to love, we want to have a, a generous approach to that. And we'd rather have it and clean up the mess a little later than, um, than not have it at all. All right, the other thing I want to say, too, though, is I think you have to watch it because when it starts moving, many times you'll have one person give a message and two or three come up and interpret. And that's not a bad thing. And many times you say, well, the first person didn't get it done. No, don't think of it that way. Think of it as the Lord using two to three people, which is more of a sign sometimes than just him using one. Three different people getting something from the Lord is probably more of a witness, not the opposite. So let's, let's, let's stay open to that. And elders, if you don't mind, when you guys are interpreting, you know, when you're stewarding, leave a little bit of space. And, and, and if you feel like, because I feel like the Lord's talking to you right now, and he's starting to minister to some of you about um, giving a message in tongues and interpreting. And if that's you, I want you to start sitting closer. All right, like don't don't stand all the way in the back and think you're going to give an interpretation. And nobody can hear you, right? And so, so if that's you, start sitting up a little closer and start being ready to partner. And 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 I think, like Diane said earlier, I think this is really good too. The Lord may ahead of time, as some of us are learning, may cue you in a little early and say, "I believe I'm going to give a message." I think that one time I did it, I knew a week before I was going to do it because I'd be too scared to do it otherwise. If that's you. I want you to come up to an elder and tell them that. Because they would like nothing more than to partner with you, to see you step out and obey. We want to make this easy for you, not hard, right? So if he gives you an advanced warning, let Brandon or Barry or someone know, because they'll give you a space in the service and they'll stand up there with you so you don't have to be afraid. Would you agree with that? Yes, yes. And I would say, too, with the multiple interpretations, I think that's possible. Like I said, I believe just from my own experience and talking with other people who interpret that, if you have that gift when a tongue comes forth, like everybody that's an interpreter could interpret that word, but it may be specifically for one that's yep. you know, picked out where there's more of an unction on it, so you go with that. But that, that's the spirit of prophecy. 
tongues and interpretation is just simply prophecy mm-hmm. in two parts, and it's it's that way because they're dependent on each other, but also um, there's a supernatural element of the tongue coming forth, and then you know the interpretation as well. So, um, but when the spirit of prophecy is flowing, sometimes when people interpret, this is my experience. Okay, so you know, uh, take it for what it's worth, but. I feel like sometimes when a tongue comes forth and, and there's an interpretation, it's actually a prophecy. Mm-hmm. They operate in prophecy and they, be, they begin to prophesy. It may not actually be the, quote, interpretation of the tongue, but it's, a, it's the same spirit. It's the spirit of prophecy. And you feel like that's an order? Yeah, I think yeah, it's fine. Yeah, I if agree. They have a, if, if, if the spirit of prophecy is going, it wouldn't be necessarily interpretation of the tongue, but it's, it's still the spirit of prophecy. Yeah, you know, tongues... Paul portrays tongues and interpretation as being equivalent to prophecy in yep. 1 Corinthians 14. Um, That's awesome. Any other questions? Yes, sir. Come on up here, Randy. Anybody else while Randy's coming up? We'll, we'll wind this part up here. Yes, sir, man of God. When the tongues and interpretation come forth, what is the responsibility of the body? to receive and respond to that interpretation. That's an excellent question. Barry, I'll start with you. I think it's the same as the responsibility when a prophecy comes forth because it's essentially the same thing. If you, if you believe that the Lord has spoken, then there should be some kind of response, right? Um, or an owning of it or an amen or a yes or an embracing of that. And, you know, maybe uh, we should give a minute for the body to respond in whatever way seems appropriate. But I, I think the answer to that is the same way we would respond if we feel like an authentic word of prophecy comes forth. Mm-hmm. Diane, anything to add? Okay. Um, maybe one thing I would say to that also, which Randy brings up an excellent point, anytime the gifts operate like that, we should be asking, what do I do about it? And um, I, think, I think we've been pretty good to record them and pull them back out as needed, you know. But we, we should ask, especially if it's a word to the body that's really speaking God's heart about our body, we should own that. We should steward it. We should commit that to praying and asking what we should do about it. Sometimes a message in tongues will be, will single out a person or people. Sometimes it's for the body as a whole. It's for the entire ecclesia, and it's something about that. So, yes, I think to Randy's point, we should always be asking, what do we do with what we've gotten? Yes, ma'am, come on up here real quick. Yeah. We just want to get you on the mic. Okay. We still just want to get you on the mic. The people, the people on SoundCloud will really appreciate it that are listening to it. Okay. I just wanted to say I really appreciate it when you guys actually print the word I've got them at my house and, and you know as you say well like what do we do with it it's I'm able to go back into it and then begin to process it and continue to pray into it um, so I appreciate that okay excellent any other questions before we wind this down this part of it now all right excellent any closing remarks thoughts comments okay Diane all right how many of you now think so we're gonna do this really quickly how many of you believe, okay, how many of you have given a message in tongues? Raise your hand. Okay, excellent. All right, you guys stand up. If you've ever given a message in tongues, please stand up. If you believe you have the, wait, where are you going? We're standing up. Oh, oh, sorry. Yeah, was, okay. Don't leave me now. I feel alone. All right, no, you're good. You're good. <laughs> All right, 
how many of you believe you may either have the gift of, t- of in tongues or the interpretation of tongues? I want you saying you've never done it, but you believe you have it. And the Lord has been speaking to you. Don't be shy, because I know he's talking to some of you. Now, I'm not going to suddenly make you bust out and do it like we do other stuff. But we do want to pray for you, all right? So if you feel like the Lord may want to use you in that way, I want you to stand to your feet. Okay? Excellent. Now you're halfway there. Now moving on up to the front. And we're not going to embarrass you, I promise. I'm going to have Barry and Diane pray over you because they have this gift. And uh, we're going to release it into you. Is that all right, brother? All right, so if you are, just come on up. We're not going to embarrass you. You don't have to show up or anything like that. We just want to pray over you. And those of you who believe you have it and you functioned in it, you go ahead and help us surround the people that want to pray because we want to release them. And Barry, are you okay? Uh, we give you permission to operate. Is that good? Is yeah. that all right, Barry? Do you need an elder to say that? Do I need all three elders to come up and say you have permission? All right. All right. So would, uh, would you guys, can we just begin to pray? And Barry, I think you ought to do a, a big one. Yeah, and then uh, if we could just gather around these people. <laughs> so just in general, let me, with that invitation, we definitely welcome the gifts of the Spirit to flow through you all. Please try to come forward with the mic for the sake of people being able to hear. I know that's awkward, especially can be with a tongue and you're sweating bullets hoping somebody interprets it. But I will try to step in if nobody else steps up, okay? Um, <laughs> Amen. So, so maybe that takes a little pressure off. Um, But let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for your word and for your great heart, for your people, and for the supernatural moving in our midst. We ask for greater manifestation of the gifts of your spirit in this body through your people. And Father, specifically tonight, we're asking for a greater manifestation and even a greater frequency as your spirit wills of the gift of tongues and of the gift of interpretation of tongues. Lord, we pray for activation of your people, these people that are standing up here that feel stirred in their heart by your spirit. Would you activate them? Would you anoint them? Would you drop the anointing of the Holy Spirit of these gifts upon them at the appropriate time and teach them and train them how to properly respond for the greatest edification and upbuilding of your body and for the Lord Jesus to be glorified through them in a new avenue and in a new way. And Lord, we're expecting these things to happen and we're expecting you to activate and to cause something to become alive and to erupt and explode even inside of them this night. In Jesus' name. Now, what we're going to do next, um, I'm going to have Barry and Diane, if you guys don't mind, just rolling down the line and praying over each one of those. Now, here's how you can. Don't tune out. What are you guys doing? All right, so now we're going to come up as a body, right? And we're going to get behind, and we're going to bring our supplies. So here's what I want you to do. Um, if you feel led to come up and stand behind one of these people and help Barry and Diane pray for them, I want you to do that. And if the Lord has a word for you to start ministering to them, signal these guys, and they'll do that. Let's be a body. See, this is about these guys are stepping up. We're getting them activated. Now the rest of us come behind them as family, and we start bringing supply to help push them into what, what they believe is a gift. May it be according to them as their faith. So if you guys will do that next week, and we'll end with that. Next week's going to be prophecy. We'll have a lot of fun next week all right and i already got two people i I know we're going to single out but if you guys want to come up right now and help us out and get behind one of these two people and this is family let's rejoice and help them get 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 activated in this gift